Hello and welcome to Game Jelly. This is the show where we design a game in real time. I'm Tieran Costello. I'm a game designer and musician coming to you from a little island in Sweden. And I'm Keating Shimeri. I'm an artist and a designer. And I'm coming to you from a bigger island, actually. A big... It's actually bigger. Is it in Sweden? Oh, no, no, no. It's it's bigger, though. What would you have done? Because I was considering changing my opening line for this episode to I'm coming to you from a little chair in my bedroom, which is also true. <laughs> I guess I would have said I'm coming to you from a bigger chair, actually. Dang, I, I really wish I'd gone for that now. It would have, what a what a multiverse of madness we live in. <laughs> You're always talking about the multiverse of madness we live in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think you have a pitch for us today. Is that right? I do. Uh, yeah. Allow me to, to whisk you away. Actually, how, <laughs> uh, how delightful that we're talking about islands. Because I'd like you to picture an island right now. This is so easy for me. <laughs> oh, nice that we're talking about chairs. I'd like you to picture a chair right now. <laughs> but this isn't just any chair. This is a, a floating island, uh, similar to Skyloft from The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, mm -hmm. or or other floating islands. We shouldn't get into discussing Skyward Sword too much here, but go cool. ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, you spend your days walking around this floating island um, and doing sort of farming simulator or Animal Crossing style chores and building, building up a town, building up your crops, making your home nicer, this sort of thing. And in the center of town... There's a, a large stone obelisk, a, a sort of church to this deity that you you make uh, offerings to with the crops that you're growing during the day. But as time goes on, the island begins to fracture. And when this comes to, to sort of a climax, everybody in the town runs into the stone obelisk. <laughs> Um, and in a flash of light, the entire island gets destroyed, except for the town square, which includes this, this church kind of thing. And when you exit it, the island has been reformed, but in a completely new configuration. This is a farming sim roguelike, uh, a roguelite, oh. where each cycle you're building a, a new sort of farm system, a new town system, trying to fend off this fracturing but inevitably sort of failing to time after time and trying again on the next cycle and you don't know what's causing this exactly oh my god it's it's oh god you haven't seen groundhog day have you i haven't no no oh we could have talked about <laughs> groundhog day for so long that's like one of my favorite movies and the whole thing i don't even want to say it i don't want to spoil groundhog day you can you can... no <laughs> Now we come to the real point of me pitching this idea. <laughs> okay, this is awesome, though. This is awesome. And, like, the idea of you have to find different evidence for what is causing this, and you keep thinking, oh, maybe it's maybe it was this that led to this this fracture point, or, or, or maybe it was because I made this mistake last time, and every time it just becomes more and more, like, man, why does this keep happening? It's like, and it's the devastation of your Minecraft hardcore world just... <laughs> like you losing everything every time you mess up this cycle and do you think there's a mechanical reason that it happens or do you think it's a narrative piece of this that the character is slowly figuring out i mean not to say it can't be both because it could be oh you're not talking to this uh it, it was this person's doing or you're not talking you're not you know building the bonds of this community enough and 
only by doing that. You know what I mean? So it's like a story element, but then it's, you know, it pulls together mechanically. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So the way I've been picturing it, uh, and I think it could be sort of different levels of, of balance between that. The way I've been picturing it is there is some story reason why it's happening, but, but you are fending it off with mechanics. And I think it could be cool if it's something where it's like you have to survive long enough using a mastery of these mechanics to figure out what the, you know, story reason for this is and, and you know, pull off stopping that. But I think things like bonds between characters could be a really cool element in it. I think having some direct way of using the crops that you're growing, which is why I was thinking some sort of offering to this deity would be a, a nice mechanic for that so that it's like you have a really strong motivation to make your farms as efficient as possible yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. different things like that so you can mechanically impact it even if it's this story fundamental reason why it's happening right so maybe there are certain things that you know will always or you always know will at the very least make it take longer for this whole thing to reset exactly right i see so you can like okay this time i want to do this kind of build which is kind of the case in a traditional roguelike or roguelite as well that you know you're not going to make it all the way through this cycle and we'll define what that is in a second i just realized we didn't do that and i just kind of like got excited about this without us actually discussing this but um, um but that is kind of how it works it's like you know you're not going to get to the end of you know you know you're not going to get to the end of hades in your first run through but you're going to try and get as far as you possibly can in your first run through and so it it can kind of be like that Uh, so a roguelike is a game where you go through a dungeon and you know collect power-ups and stuff along the way and then at some point in this dungeon when you lose the game whatever the lose condition is usually just when you when your character dies you go back to the beginning of the dungeon and it's often procedurally generated which means that every time going through it it's a little bit different so you kind of use what you've learned going through it but you can't kind of count entirely on memory but you always start from square one in a rogue light, you start from square one, but you might have some consistent things that are growing, like consistent power-ups across every generation that's moving forward. Which is kind of interesting that you're combining these two genres, because I also think the thing that makes farming simulators work so well is the same idea of overlapping positive feedback loops for the player. The same idea of, you know, you put in this work so you get more carrots the next day, and you know, okay, yeah, so you're not going to have these apples for the next week, but you'll have plenty of fishing to do until then. And so you're kind of taking one thing that has, that's very much built around feedback loops and positively rewarding the player with these overlapping elements of growth, but then using that as like the the basis for a roguelike game. That's so interesting. And I cannot believe I haven't I can't believe I haven't heard someone doing this before. That's really cool. And you can feel free to tweet at us at game underscore jelly if you have heard of someone doing this before. I have a thing in my list of game jelly ideas where it says roguelike nightmare sim. And then a couple months after writing that down, I learned that the game Dreamscaper is that. So I wrote in parentheses, <laughs> Dreamscaper is this already. And I expect that will happen with more of these. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we often talk about that. Just like, 
we introduce everything like, well, here's a really crazy idea. But so many people are making games. And so it's so scary to imagine like opening something and it's like, oh, this is the game where Digit from Cyberchase uh, enters, you know, a, a grieving process. Um, so I think regardless of what else is true for this game, I think that the end game should become a sort of multiverse of madness, so to speak. And bear with me here. I think the end game should be all these different towns you've lost become connected together. I'm picturing strands of light from these central obelisks to the central obelisks of the other ones. And you find what you thought was a punishment was actually a way of sort of entering this world into a database of sorts, where it becomes this multiverse of all the different farming worlds you've set up and you can travel between them so for the same if it's the same as like when you're like fraser roleplay server that's just you um what and a villager named <laughs> niles no like you know in your minecraft hardcore world that's your fraser roleplay server i know half of that okay okay well we can keep okay so okay so you know when your minecraft world then gets like you know gets destroyed and you can't access it anymore but the game lets you it lets you explore it afterward in creative but you can't like play the game there anymore i think the end game of this would let you go between the different islands you've built and like have that satisfaction of man i thought this was lost forever and all the disappointment that's built up from from you know losing your progress every time kind of gets rewarded so you could have it be somewhat procedurally generated in the same way that minecraft worlds are so that there would be some nostalgia for every single iteration of this world. And then the reward at the end of the game of getting to go back to all of them would be so great. Totally. Um, yeah, no, I've been thinking about what the uh, sort of style of procedural generation should be for this. And I was sort of toying with the idea of doing it where it's it's set up like uh, scenes in... Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, where it's a 2D backdrop with 3D characters running around on top of it, which I think could be kind of cool as a way of doing a randomized version of this, where different, basically, building blocks of these islands get smashed together. But the issue with that is that it sort of inherently means you're working from this preset list of things, so no matter how big it is, you might have a, a redo. I think that's still fine, because different runs of existing road lights can have things in common, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a limited thing in that way. First of all, yes, visually, I'm so with you. I love that sort of thing. And I do understand the technical issue it poses, but just bouncing off of the, the thing you're talking about here, what if certain things you built entered the natural landscape of the next world so we're procedurally generated but it were like oh you built this stone house in this next world there's this tree that's in this kind of it, i want i would want it to be subtle so it'd be something where the the player might not immediately realize how their actions affected it but that that would be a a piece of this game that like the human-made things you built became natural pieces of the structure of the world i really like that and it also adds to the mystery of there's clearly some set of rules to this. I've been thinking, I think it would be cool if you start out with a small group and we should think about how the characters interface with this. Like, do they know how they got there and things like that? But 
I think it would be cool if you start out with a small group of characters and then as you go through these cycles, you'll meet new people on the new islands and it's like you'll leave the town square and walk around and explore this new island and see someone out in the woods or whatever and then they'll join you and come with you to all future loops. And so you're sort of building up this community over time. God, that is fantastic. Man, something so interesting about this is that like what we usually do on Game Jelly is, you know, take the original idea and then add layers of mechanics around the meaning that we're going for or layers of meaning around the original mechanics. But I almost think there would be something so cool to this game if there were no ultimate explanation to it and you were just kind of meant to interpret what it all meant, which is kind of when I was a kid, that was like what made Minecraft so appealing to me, honestly, was like, oh, yeah, you put this type of rock all together and then light it on fire and suddenly you're in the hell dimension with the giant white balls that shoot fire at you and there's not like there's so little text in that game and i just always thought it was so cool how much lore there seemed to be without any real explanation of it Um, and i almost kind of like the same idea here of just it's a farming simulator sometimes this crazy thing happens it introduces more and more characters who sort of seem to come from the folds of reality. And then, you know, the world's a little bit different. You start over again. You find different things that you can do to offset the oncoming of this temporal reset. But then you know it's coming again. And that's just that's just the game loop. And then, I mean, the obvious, uh, the obvious lore route here is merciless god. <laughs> who you're not giving good enough offerings to. And I don't think that would be a very fun game loop. It's like, you actually need 12 carrots a day, or else God's going to reset your whole reality. <laughs> um, I don't think that that would be the most fun route to go, but that's like the easiest kind of intersection of the lore and mechanics here. But I just think if it were less heavily lore it could just be a just a really just a really like like an experience that you build layers of meaning upon for yourself. In the same way that different people build different layers of meaning into stardew valley or or animal crossing or minecraft and you know this is a this is the kind of game small ant might stream on twitch and find (laughs) very silly things to do you gotta stop naming streamers just so we can at them when we promote this episode (laughs) (laughs) just so i can put them in the thumbnail yeah exactly that's my bad bad. we mentioned who on a podcast we mentioned who (laughs) And then it's just Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Jared said, what about Frasier role-playing Minecraft servers? I actually pay $17 a month for a Minecraft server, which no one else is in other than myself. That's awesome. Um, I really like that idea, though. <laughs> I, I think that's <laughs> such a good direction to take it to, to not go too hard on the explanation for it. I have the blooming bud of an idea here lovely what if lovely what if the to use your words the reason that you want to keep this loop going so the the first goal of the game is to make this make the loops last as long as possible you make the player know that that's that's your goal at first make it last as long as possible and that's the only way that new pieces will emerge they'll be able to move the story forward is sort of bring the culture and technology of your little village as far as it can go in this loop and your character gets resources that 
let them build a flying machine. And then, and this is my revenge for the fact that you shot down me saying that Skyward Sword's flight is some of the best flight in any video game ever. Then you Skyward Sword... I knew this was coming. Then you Skyward Sword style fly off the island and you go and you explore and the other islands you find are past islands from past iterations. Very cool. Oh, that's very cool. Because also then you can you can do like when your island fractures, it it's truly fracturing. Oh, also that means that the people who you find on your new islands have been cast off of other islands which is a cool implication but been cast can you explain that a little further like you know if you're if you're finding these people when you come out to a new loop if when your island flat fractures it's getting thrown off into space it would seem to imply that the the people who are appearing on your island are from some other right from a different exactly from a different multiverse of madness sort of yeah something like that yeah gotcha if we call this episode game jelly episode nine multiverse of madness <laughs> i'm gonna be so mad honestly um um so you're populating the world with your own islands i mean how good would that be if you're playing this game you're like oh this is cool and there's kind of this mystery component and then you build the flying machine you're like oh my god we're gonna go skyward sword with this like that was my favorite zelda game and the flight mechanics were always my favorite part and then you fly off into the world into the you know the larger world and you find an island and you're like oh my god this is gonna be so cool you step foot on it and it's your old island how like the moment when you realize what it because like wouldn't you recognize any minecraft world you put hours into to this day uh i don't i don't know but i have not i've not done it in a long time but yeah probably if i was you know in it maybe if you saw a villager with the name tag niles above his (laughs) head right yeah no i don't think i would recognize that one a little a little dog called freddy wait no eddie don't oh my god don't come at me the fraser facebook group i'm in is gonna kill me (laughs) you gotta stop talking about all the facebook groups you're in just so you can add them when we promote this episode (laughs) (laughs) actually that is not the worst (laughs) that is not the worst promotional idea you've had um I personally would recognize any like prior Minecraft world of mine. So the idea of, yeah, you lose that world. Sadly, it's gone. And it sucks, I know, but it's it is gone and all your progress is gone and you have to start from scratch here. And there will be these other, you know, there will be a cool new world to populate. The characters all remember each other. So it doesn't just follow Groundhog Day rules where it's like no one remembers you or what you've been through. Everyone is having the same experience. It's only the space that's changing. But then you find that these worlds aren't gone and you're mapping the state of the the sky world every time you get this technology. And then maybe after you get it the first time in the future, there's kind of routes to get to it faster. I think that would be cool if like faster recipes were accessible from, from finding it once so that you could continue going back to old places and, and getting resources from them. And I don't know, you could even, there could even be cool stuff of like a kid character who's crying because you know they miss their their teddy bear and it's like i went back and i found it for you you know i went like stuff like that would be so good i think that could work really well as a as a 3d game like skyward sword where it's 
just sort of a 3D third-person action-adventure game. I think it could be a cool opportunity for the Final Fantasy thing, especially if we imply that sometimes when pieces of your island look similar to how they've looked in the past, it is kind of the same elements, you know, happening to merge with your current island. And so then we could do something where it's these static camera angles of all these different locations on your island that then you can go and fly around these bigger worlds. And that's a different 3D thing where when you land on any given island, it goes to that screen and it's like you see it and you've seen this screen before, but it's in a new context because it's not connected to a larger island. It's just on its own. And maybe you see some things that you've done here before you see the products of your actions in that way. Right. I mean, I even think something cool about this is that like you don't see a lot of sandbox style games. Uh, that is to say games where the player is kind of free to to build and do what they, you know, build what they want to build in this world pretty freely. Um you don't see a lot of sandbox style games that have sort of static images in the background, like uh, Final Fantasy VIII or something, when you enter a town and it's like there's this beautiful painted background piece with the, you know, seven pixel characters <laughs> running across it in the foreground. Yeah, I think that's a very cool visual piece of this. And I think, I think like you're saying, it can contribute to the sense of, wait, I have definitely been here before. Um, I'm looking at my my notes that I keep. I want to express to you how excited I clearly was about this idea because I stopped mid-word when you <laughs> said this is a farming simulator roguelite. <laughs> I literally stopped m- typing mid-word just because I, I, it was like the image of just like me like dropping my pen and paper. <laughs> I have some thoughts about the mechanics of that too that we can talk about. Do you know the game uh, Cult of the Lamb? I've heard of it. Let me look it up. It came out last year. Uh, It's a really cool game that's sort of in this genre. I think it it has rogue-like elements because the way that that game is set up is it's half running this cult, which is sort of a a farming sim, town sim kind of thing, um, and half dungeon-crawling action-adventure where you're finding new town members, you're finding new things to, to do in your town in the in those dungeons, uh, finding new powers and things like that. And then you're coming back to your town and making decisions about how to run it. And so the thing that I think would be fun to pull from that is it uses a system of perks for your town where you can make decisions about, you know, maybe your town is easier to feed. I, I think in that game, a lot of t- the time they're flavored more culty because it's about uh, running a cult so like one of the ones i've heard is you can choose to make it so that uh, the people in your town eat grass and survive only by eating grass which will make them less good like at at their jobs but will make you not have to feed them oh my god Um, so like i don't think we do stuff that sort of freaky but i think it'd be cool if those are the in-loop decisions that you're making where you're picking overall perks for this specific iteration of your town Mm -hmm. and then the specific members of your town sort of each have their own specialties uh about what they can do i think it could be cool if those are a little bit general but you know i think it'd be cool if town members can maybe autonomously farm and things like that and collect resources for the town but when everyone 
is is huddled between loops in the the obelisk people can get better at their jobs or i think it would be cool if they could share their knowledge between each other sort of a a multi-classing type system where each member of the town can either level up at their own job or learn someone else's and so you're sort of making decisions about how the different members of your town will be specialized wow that's so cool so going back to your earlier idea of you you know maybe meet this day deity 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 pronounce one sec (laughs) deity deity you meet this deity and um i was thinking maybe there's some process you have to do between the islands so the sort of fallacy that you're the, the thing you're led to believe that's incorrect is there's something you have to do on this island that will break this loop eventually and give the people here some amount of stability in their lives. Um, But it turns out that what you actually have to do is something between the islands and something in the, in the space between. Um, So there are a few directions you could go. The visual I'm picturing is some type of golden thread that you stretch, that you create a constellation between all the obelisks with this golden thread and you kind of stretch it between them the other idea i have is sort of triangulating and finding the center point of all these islands um in the sky but there could also be some community element to it of this would limit the number of islands there could be mind you but you could do it that someone has to be on every island and i don't want to say everyone presses a button at the same time that's so stupid (laughs) but like Something that has to happen at all the all these different islands in the sky at once. They have to put their palms on a statue at the same time. Yeah. That's not stupid. That's not stupid at all. Uh, sorry. <laughs> what a terrible thing to say to someone. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> yeah, kidding. That's not stupid at all. <laughs> but that could be kind of a justification for adding new characters as time goes on. The problem is it then might end up being like, just complete you need so many characters that they just lose all sense of individuality so i think that that might be kind of be a problem with it because then it's just like you get some random like you, it would be like swikoden right where it's like 120 potential main characters no but i do like putting it in one of the other characters hands I think it could be cool if it's one of the characters that you meet a couple of loops in when you leave this central area and explore the new island if you meet someone who then a lot of the game is about you getting to know them or something like that and they maybe are kind of like a chosen one type figure and and so then it's you journeying to this place that you you figure out with that person we can give the rest of the people in the town something to do in a cutscene so it feels it feels like that you know everyone coming together to get out of this thing but you know, it can really be about this one character. That's very cool. Kind of a pilgrimage with one other person. And and they have to, maybe you have, maybe even just like, oh, it's tough. Sorry, it's a tough line to walk. But like, is it about a god who isn't happy until you, you like kiss his feet enough? I don't know. We could also do it that, again, in the sort of hand wavy way, it's been posed that, this god is it's like an angry god and you're just appeasing it but it turns out that it's 
protecting you from something bigger or something like that. Oh, but how does that work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could do it very just like Greek god style where it's kind of funny that it's a wrathful god. You know what I mean? Right. It's very it's very endearing the way that Greek gods are arrogant and, and wrathful, which is as much the case with like, I've been picturing this so much as a Legend of Zelda style thing that like I've been picturing the ancient gods of the Zelda world, which is very weird if you're then like, you ha- I, I got you these carrots, are you happy yet? And the god like smites your entire village because they weren't, the carrots weren't tasty enough. I do think that aesthetic could kind of work with the, it's just holding off something from a bigger power. Right, like tit- like the titans in the Greek gods, yeah. Exactly. And so you are sort of giving it enough power through these offerings and things like that it's really at like the edge of its abilities and you're sort of just barely letting it hold on and then when it falters that's when the island is destroyed oh good stuff good stuff and then going and repairing all the obelisks that have been destroyed because of this other thing gives that entity enough power to fight back and then kind of like the end of the game could be you could even see this god you, it could even be it's not just offerings to an invisible god. It's some distant, you know, Shadow of the Colossus style. It could be really cool visually. You look off into the horizon and you just see the shadow of this massive god. You, it doesn't need to be a mystery. You can just see it happen every time. Oh, that's really cool. You just see every time it's holding this thing off. And then whatever happens, it falters. And then it could be this beautiful visual, this terrifying visual of this gargantuan unimaginably large being uh raising its sword towards your village bringing it down and you just see it through the crystal walls of the obelisk you see it slash the whole thing in half and then your village emerges from the next obelisk sort of groundhog day style you know waking up to the i'll put your little hand in mine moment you know I don't... Sorry, that was just an excuse to sing the song from Groundhog <laughs> Yeah, I don't Day. know that specific, but I do know. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, going and repairing these shattered obelisks around, which you, that's the mystery of the game, is that out in the wider world, these past places still exist. It's not Groundhog Day. These are real physical places that you're kind of moving between and finding the, the prior ones that have been destroyed. Then finally gives your deity the strength to you see in the distance finally overcome this evil and you can live this peaceful life not just on this one island of yours but on all of these interconnected islands because you can travel between them and you could even have sort of like a credits or post credits or whatever scene of just like the joy of Maybe that family from earlier is just living all alone on this one island that they had this special connection to. And the old like the old recluse is like, I am locking myself in a house at the top of a hill of an entirely abandoned island and no one's coming. No one's coming here. You know, you can have these characters have their happy endings in your places that you've created with all of them. Totally. Ooh, could we have it so that if you go all the way back to the start of these loops, the first obelisk, and find out where this began. And it's some petty thing that the higher power disliked about the people on this island and decided to destroy it. And then this god that you're helping protect you 
decided it's worth it to to save these people and started this looping thing right which could you know could lead us to it started on the ground and there's there's one of these obelisks on the ground so then the then the past obelisks could point to you in that direction that's that's one way of going about it or give you the ability to travel to the ground here's an idea i'll throw out there it could be that the goal is to pilot one of these past islands to the ground find some way of lowering it so it's not necessarily about the number that you visit or visiting a specific one it's about gathering the info it's one more step of gathering information gathering resources to bring the island down to the ground and there you find this one massive version of these obelisks and that is something that needed to be activated by some other resource that you have or even just everyone in the village coming with you and being guided down to the ground to activate this one thing that will give the deity enough power to overcome this evil. Totally. I really like that. It's again, the mystery thing of, you know, maybe this way of interacting with this God is a really small version of whatever this thing on the ground allows for. Right. It's almost a symbol of the real gesture that needs to be made. I also think then that leaves room for a very cool visual of just like an, uh, a giant floating island falling slowly and breaking down through through the clouds and like landing gently on a forested ground below could just be a very good moment in the game. It should be that when that happens, we get some shots that are very similar to the shots when the island gets destroyed, where different pieces of it are flying off, but this time they're flying off as it's falling down. Yeah. And then it like crashes in the forest next to the big one. Right. The like that slow motion effect of, of so much wind resistance against something and that the piece is slowly lifting off as it's as it's falling it could be so good visually. So whatever whatever that process is that brings it to the ground, it could just again be just one more resource um that you need to bring to some to some past shattered obelisk maybe it's even resources that when the prior obelisks are shattered they have something in the in the center of them that you can only get once they're broken apart so that's why it's necessary to reset this loop and get a few so oh you have to visit four and then bring those to one more and you know then maybe work together to repair this other obelisk and once it works like that then that whole island, whichever one you repaired in that way, works as a spacecraft, essentially. <laughs> and I'm picturing like a TARDIS, right. like a TARDIS room, like the obelisk is like a TARDIS room that multiple people work together to pilot this thing. So then the different villagers who you've given different jobs in this game, at some point it's like, yeah, your job is is pilot of the of the island that we bring down. It's very much the like disc one climax of final fantasy eight you know what i mean where like the i I don't really want to spoil it but it's like 20 years old where the (laughs) (laughs) where the where the garden like takes off and it's like yo what is happening right now that was not a thing that was supposed to be a vehicle a motor car that also makes me think um (laughs) i think we can reward the player for going through the cycle more times Yes, that that isn't required at all, but you can uh, uh, boost your abilities by going to those previous obelisks 
and I don't know, maybe planting something there could be a nice thing because it's a farming sim. And then when you go back to those specific ones in the future, there's like a beautiful tree growing there. Oh my god, that's something we haven't even touched on, is the idea that when you go back, like, the trees you never knew would, or, you know, the, the saplings you never knew would sprout into these beautiful trees. Seeing them in their full form could be so beautiful when you thought you'd never see these things grow, seeing that the island has taken on this life while you were away. That's such a good piece of it. And I totally agree with the feedback loop thing you're saying of... It's actually just more chances for a player who needed more, you know, repetitions of this cycle. It's those repetitions became more chances for them to go and collect the resources they need to move into the end game where they, you know, turn one of these islands into a spacecraft, into a motocar and (laughs) pilot it down, pilot it down to the ground. That's fantastic. Uh, would you like to do a mini game minute? I almost wrote this like on my hand. I almost wrote this on my hand not to forget the mini game minute. Imagine we forget it two <laughs> weeks. No, we'd not forget it two weeks in a row. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> um, if you notice that there's 30 more minutes in this episode, listener, it's because the next 30 minutes are going to be devoted to us <laughs> apologizing for not doing a mini game minute last episode. Okay, do you have a timer ready? I was picking the timer sound. We're gonna give... We're gonna give Signal a shot here. Okay. Sounds nice. Uh, you you got the timer ready to go? I do. Three, two, one, go! Okay, I think this should be our first ever minigame minute without a fishing minigame in it. Okay, uh-oh. Just to get those interactions <laughs> Let me throw out this page of notes. <laughs> no, 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 do it, do it, no, do it, no, do it. Okay. I just thought that would be good. It's all good. Oh wait, am I going first? Oh no, that was my my first one was no fishing minigame. Whoa, whoa, okay, cool. We're at 38 seconds. Okay, uh, you can feed seeds to birds and they'll bring you back like interesting things from uh, other islands. Oh, really good stuff. Uh, okay, build, you can build like tetherball with like, there's a crafting recipe for, for tetherball or volleyball nets and then you can play very simple games with other villagers on them. Uh, you can beg from the local grandpa and he'll give you a caramel. <laughs> Um, I think some characters could, uh, like, some characters could be, like, athletes, and that's, like, their job class. That's really good. You go and watch them play, or you can even play with them, certain games. That is a minute, including me not realizing that you were done with the fishing minigame one Uh right there. Um. (laughs) Yeah, Kitty, how did you not put together that me saying no minigame was one of the minigames? I have to say it was a little little confusing to me um that concept is so good of birds bringing you stuff from other islands that should be the clue that that's what you need to do right a bird giving a bird so that shouldn't be a minigame that should be something that and then it could be a minigame from there on out but one of the inciting incidents or one of the the first or the first clue you get of a path towards ending this cycle should be you give a bird something, it leaves, and then it comes back with something from a from an old island that you recognize. We could even do something where, like, first loop uh, in the cutscene of everybody running to the the obelisk, you drop something, and then when you exit the obelisk and you have that moment of, like, where are we? It looks like the same place. Uh, you notice a bird flying away, and it drops whatever object you left behind on the previous island 
I think it shouldn't be that soon in the game. I think it should be that it works two ways, that the item works for two different story points. The first is you step out of the obelisk expecting to be on your regular island. You look around and then you look down and you see that the thing's not there that you've dropped. Oh. And you realize this is a different place and you look around and everyone's putting it together at the same time but that is the signifier to the audience that this is a different place is that i just dropped this right here now it's not there where are we and then the first act climax of it is the bird bringing or the first inciting sort of inciting incident that leads to a solution is a bird bringing that item to you no you're totally right Uh, yeah absolutely a, a little mechanical thing that just came from that minigame minute. I think it would be cool if you can also choose your own job. And so, like, you kind of just have the ability to, you know, even though you're the person making everything move forward and making everything happen, you can still be the town jester or you can still be the town, you know, uh, like radio talk show psychiatrist host. Um, Seems like that second one is a little specific, but it's that's a really good idea. Before we go, I just wanted to say a note from last episode. My friend came to me and said, so wait, so jackdaws are your favorite bird? He was like, aren't those just like a black and white bird? And I had the painful experience of telling him they're not even white. They're literally just a plain black bird. <laughs> it's, he, had, he could they've not. They've got gray. They've got gray. Yeah, they've got some gray. They've got some gray. They've got some gray. But they're pretty. He was like, that is a basic bird to be your favorite bird. But like it's they're just, they've got so much personality. I just had to add this little editor's note here. They've got so much personality. They're such good birds. Don't judge a bird by its cover. You should punch in something here where you talk about how good of a bird they are just just during the editing process. That's a very good idea. Maybe that's what the outro is this week instead of the normal stuff. Um I thought you were going to say you should punch your friend who said jackdaws aren't that great a bird. Oh, no. I've been going for like a nonviolent thing with this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Whack. Um... (laughs) Well, this has been Game Jelly. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's really the only thing keeping us going at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Doing. (laughs) That's really horrifying. And the only thing keeping me going is you telling a friend about the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a horrible tactic. <laughs> We're holding ourselves hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it's more likely than you might think on the in the attention economy. This is this is very this is very true um yeah every friend you tell about the show is one less time loop we have to endure so do tell a friend about the show uh if you don't want us enduring more time loops with all that being said thank you so much for listening uh we will catch you next time and uh i've been tieran costello and i'm keating shimeri i love that i say i've been and you say and i am as if i've changed my name that has happened three times now and i've just i needed to say it i keep forgetting to say it (laughs) our our podcast takes place in a very interesting time space and a very interesting multiverse of madness (laughs) good night everyone thank you so much for listening everybody 
If you want to keep up to date with the goings on of Game Jelly, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Game underscore Jelly. Thank you so very much to Dylan Lynch for writing and recording our theme music and to Ruth Demery for producing the show. We will be back on Wednesday, March 29th with a brand new episode, but until then, stay safe out there and keep an eye out for my Watch Mojo list of the top 10 cutest jacked off facts. Bye bye.